Yes, it is, and welcome back. Coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios, our phone number six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Boy, that Douglas Murray is a mind alive, isn't he? That's that's really a mind alive. Um, I, I'm going to reserve a series of questions I, I, I would have asked him. I'll, I'll do it next time he's here, next time we get him on the phone. I'm always uh, – well, I'll tell you what the question I would have been. I'm always interested in the furniture that makes up these great supple and subtle minds. What was it he read growing up? What was it he read as a young adult uh, that brought him to um, to his beliefs? And I'm always happy to hear from you on that too, you and the audience. What books had the biggest impact on your uh, conservative philosophy? And uh, anytime you want to know, I'm happy to give you my answer. Here's a question. Um, do you ever have – do you ever read an article or an opinion piece that says everything you've thought so much better than you've ever been able to express it? Has that ever happened to you? I, it happens to me, obviously, uh, as it probably does happen to most. But nothing so much as this one I just came across, and I'm so lucky I – fortunate I did – because I didn't know and still don't. I'm going to try and get him on, but I don't know the author. I, I, I know his name. He works for Alliance Defending Freedom. His name is Ryan Bangert. But I, I, I've never read anything he's written before, and I, to my detriment, just simply don't, don't know him. No other people there. <laughs> but um, a good reason not to, not to only read those that are the familiar. Um, he uh, writes a piece called Racism is Wrong, but Anti-Racism Does Not Belong in Schools. And it gets to a really si- interesting series of things. Modern anti-racism ideology is now pretty well known, he writes. And on the surface, it sounds like a good idea. After all, who doesn't want to be against racism? This, by the way, is a huge concern of mine because I think, you know, the parents who who come – you've heard me talk about the parent whose kid comes home from school showing them – their new uh, course catalog or the new series of courses or new structure around learning or new curriculum or new school activity that is to attack racism. What parent wouldn't think that's a good idea? Well, obsta principis. Beware. How, how should we understand the difference between a common-sense opposition to racism and the ideology of anti-racism? Two ways to look at the issue. Two ways to address this issue. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. Don't go away. In 2007, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts wrote an opinion in a case that addressed the legality of plans used by two public school districts to assign students to specific schools. Both schools employed racial quotas to make the assignments. In striking down those quotas, Roberts stated, quote, the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discrimination on the basis of race, close quote. Contrast that to another memorable line, this time from author Professor Ibram X. Kendi. In his book, How to Be Anti-Racist, excuse me, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he writes this, quote, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. You got that? Future. We're still we're still dealing with future 
discrimination. Interesting syllogism, or perhaps dialectic is the better word. This author says, I think both Roberts and Kendi would agree that racism, which is the harboring of animosity and hatred for others based on their race, treating them differently because of their race, is a great moral evil. I'm glad we all do agree on that. I'd like to think we all agree on that. I think it's one of the greatest moral evils is why I'm so obsessed with this movement. Not only that, I think both would agree that racism continues to afflict American society and that work must be done to end it. I don't think most people would disagree with that. Of course, the level is the disagreement. But in any event, they part company, however, on how to combat racism, the two views. One would call for an end to all racial discrimination. That's certainly one way to do it, certainly the way I view it. The other would so to speak, fight fire with fire by meeting bigotry in one form with another form of bigotry itself, just picking a different class or picking a different race. Unfortunately, a lot of public districts across America are taking Kendi's approach and not Robert's. Uh, for instance, uh, take one. We could do this almost anywhere, but just to take one uh, in Virginia, in Albemarle County. They adopted an anti-racism policy in 2019. During a staff orientation, a district leader who helped develop the policy made its implications clear. He told the staff to think about whether they were on the anti-racism school bus and whether they need to help finding your seat and keeping your seat or whether it's time for you to just get off the bus. So what does it mean to be on the anti-racism school bus in Albemarle County? The answer given by the district has been simple and direct. For white students, it's becoming aware of and repenting of your white privilege. And for everyone else, it's fighting against and dismantling white dominant culture. You have to have an enemy in the Kendi world. You have to, The enemy can't be racism. It has to be another race, also known as collective responsibility or group guilt, something that Marxists and the Nazis perfected to a fairly well. Through its implication of this policy, the district has indoctrinated staff and students alike in a bizarre understanding of racism and race relations. Staff were told that racism is, quote, the subordination of people of color by white people. That's the de staff definition of racism. Students, in turn, were taught that racism is, quote, the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people, close quote. Talk about a good way to lose a student and not teach them about racism in any event. Students were told that, quote, people who are white, middle class, Christian and cisgender comprise a dominant culture who chose the damage and rules while black, brown, indigenous people of color of the global majority, queer, transgendered, non-binary folks, cisgendered women, youth, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, atheist, non-Christian folks, neurodivisive folks with disabilities, and folks living in poverty are all part of a subordinate culture, close quote. You have to get awfully busy to fight racism these days, starting with getting a good dictionary, I guess, and one from 10 years ago simply won't. Do OED is out. Anti-racism then means fighting against the dominant culture by contesting white supremacy, white dominant culture, and unequal institutions in society. Some of the racist institutions include such things as believing in colorblindness or remaining apolitical or 
believing there are two two sides to every story. In other words, the practice of democracy. And holding the wrong views on political issues, of course, whether they be border security, immigration, criminal justice reform, or even just school financing. There is much more, but you get the point. The philosophy expressed in these materials is, in the words of John McWhorter in his book, Woke Racism, really a form of racism itself. Because they teach white people to do the work of becoming anti-racist in their every waking moment and to despise themselves for lapses in doing so despite that it is a work they are condemned to never, ever finish or accomplish. There's no end point to it. And just as perniciously it teaches that to insist that black people can achieve under less than perfect conditions is ignorant slander or, as McWhorter puts it, disempowering. McWhorter is right, and his critique alone is a sufficient reason to reject the racism embedded in these anti-racist curricula. But the problem goes even deeper, even deeper. For the ideology at play is an affront not only to people of other races, but really to the entire Judeo-Christian firmament which understands that racism directly contradicts the teaching of Scripture that we are all created equal or at least all lower than God, right? Equally loved by him with equal access and redemption, uh, however your theology views it, to him. Truths that obligate believers in almost any Jewish or Christian version of their religion, to reject racism and condemn it as a moral wrong. Why do we think anti-slavery and manumission movements began in the churches? And why do we think so many rabbis joined in them? Let me come back on more of this when I come back. I'm Seth Liebson coming to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studio. I uh, want to continue on this um, essay that I, I just wish I could have been as articulate about. Just talking about how racism being rejected in the Judeo- Judeo-Christian, relig- Jewish and Christian religions, that same duty compels us to reject and condemn these kind of school curricula we have been seeing uh, Mr. Um, Ryan Bangert uh, writes, uh, the kind of thing we were citing just a moment ago as, uh, as equally a moral wrong because these lab- because the labels, the divides, the stigma, the stigmatizations and the condemnations of students are condemnations and stigmatizations based on race. For some they are labeled, and condemned solely based on their race as part of a dominant culture that perpetually oppresses others. For others, they are labeled and stigmatized as part of a subordinate culture that is perpetually oppressed. For both, their race becomes the defining characteristic in their life, not their moral character, not their behavior, and certainly not their status 
as infinitely valued creations of a loving God, never mind a citizen of America. Remind me to mention, if I forget, another aspect of white racism. But at its core, anti-racism, which draws heavily on these critical theories you've been hearing about, like critical race theory, they locate evil outside the human heart in institutions and hierarchies of oppression. And it locates the solution to dismantle and it locates the solution in dismantling those structures. But that won't work, of course, because as Alexander Solzhenitsyn put it, the line separating good and evil passes not through the states and not through the classes and not between the political parties, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. When you think about that, maybe you can go back to thinking just a little bit about what I was saying in my monologue about American conservatism being focused, should be focused on what it means to be a human. We must reject anti-racism ideology then because it advances a lie that discrimination can be cured with more discrimination, with more bigotry, and that society can be changed if we dismantle enough institutions and bludgeon our students into accepting their place in anti-racism's twisted hierarchy of oppression. So what are we to do? Stand for truth. Stand for truth. Just do it. Douglas Murray was great on that. Stand for truth and see what happens. Might there be a short-term problem? There might be. There might be. But there will be a long term happiness or quietness and calmness to your soul. Living a lie may indeed do the exact opposite, give you a short-term shot in the arm, a junkie's injection that will make you feel good for a short period, a small time, but in the long run, it will haunt you and it will haunt your soul. This thing about whites as being an oppressor class or white privilege, nothing so much I want to say about that is the story I may have told you about a friend of mine on a business conference call, and it was a Zoom call where no one could see each other. You know how those Zoom calls are just sometimes audio, just sometimes audio. And it was the first meeting of this group, and it was an organized group over a um, business project. And the first thing they all wanted to do was go around and say something about yourself so the rest of you could be known. And one of the persons said, I want everyone to know that I fight white privilege. And my friend, bless his heart, said, I want everyone to know I'm white. And I want everyone I know to know that not only am I white, but I want them to explain to me what my privilege is since I never knew my grandfather. All my aunts have tattoos on their arms they didn't put there, and my mom had to be hidden by other whites in the basement for years as a young child so that someday I might be born. Please explain to me how that gives me in any sense a white privilege. You don't have to just do this with Jews. You can do white privilege. I mean, did anyone ever meet a refugee from the war in Bosnia, Croatia, back when that was a thing? 
that was a that was a war between whites. There was a war between whites, and it was also yet based on racism, interestingly enough, and ethnic and geonational concerns. But what privilege did the Bosnians or the Croats, depending on what side you were on, have? You paint with these broad brushes, you end up painting quite an ugly picture, quite an ugly picture, which will end up retrenching racial resentments while missing the forest for the trees. What are the forests and what are the trees? The trees are individuals. The forests are the ideologies. And you can have an, an, ide- you can have an ideology that believes all human beings are equal because they are all equally unequal below God. Or you can have an ideology that was given to you by Marxism and Adolf Hitler. That is the fight right now. There are no two others, not any two others when it comes to this issue of race. And that is why, that is why when Douglas Murray was here and talking about the notion that we wanted to get rid of identifying people by race as a matter of any consequence whatsoever, work, life, education, you name it, why I made the point that no one was so strongly in favor of that notion as racial and religious minorities. No one wanted to get rid of discrimination more. No one. And how odd that it's being waged against so many of us now. All right, do I have time for a quick call from... Uh, let me give everyone on hold their full um, their full voice when we come back. In the meantime, let me put in a word for our great sponsor, Balance of Nature, I always encourage people, if they're thinking about a product in the genre that we um, promote, go to the one we do promote because they're promoting you by endowing shows like this. I take Balance of Nature every single day. It's the only whole food supplement with no additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or sugar that is added beyond the beautiful, ripe, natural fruit and vegetables that are distilled into the Balance of Nature capsules. Go to balanceofnature.com. That's balanceofnature.com. And make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, uh, 602-508-0960, coming to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. Mike is in Maricopa. Hello, Mike. Yes, very good, Seth. I am fine. Uh, I really enjoyed that interview you did with Douglas Murray. Oh, yeah, he's uh, great. Good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yes, and I, I'll second the motion next time he comes back. Three hours. Yeah, I need him for, for three hours just to scratch the surface of that supple mind. There you go. You know, the other day, uh, switch gears here real quick. Uh, I'd like to say something about Teddy Roosevelt, but I have some three or four interesting articles here from some things that are going on with the border and stuff. Okay. But when you mentioned that Teddy Roosevelt, his statue had been removed, it reminded me of something I had read a while ago. It goes, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. 
The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Right. That was a quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Right. Uh, that's that, that was a speech he gave, a speech he gave in, in, of all places, France, believe it or not. Yep. And it seems to me with his removal, it was kind of prescient with uh, what he had achieved, and now his statue gets removed by those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Uh, real quick here. Uh, triple homicide at a California high school linked to Mexican-American narcotics ring in Operation Trailblazer. I guess the murder had happened back in May of last year, okay. and they've just uh, arrested the people. There were two women from... Uh, El Paso. Uh, they went across the border down in Juarez. They went missing for a couple of days, and they found them uh, dismembered stuff into black trash bags. Uh, again, they're American citizens, so I'm wondering why nobody wants to report on that. San Jose, California dealer charged after 12-year-old girl fatally overdoses on fentanyl. And last but not least, former U.S. Marine and five other charged with gun smuggling for the CJNG cartel. Those are all happened other than the murder at the one in California, but the charges and the updates on those things have all happened here. And there's a pile of others. I narrowed it It makes down me say, is the right emotion, Mike, is the right emotion, uh, let me ask for your help on this, is it sadness or anger? 50-50. Yeah, maybe. It may very well be. Yeah. I remember Deborah Burlingame. Uh, you know you know my story on her. Her brother Chick was one of the pilots that went into the Pentagon on 9-11. I remember about four years after 9-11, in an interview with Neil Cavuto, she was asked, what is it she misses most from the days after 9-11? I thought she would say something soft. She said the anger, and that was the right answer, the anger. All of this preventable, all of this unnecessary, all of this not covered by the corporate media. Thanks for doing it, Mike. Go ahead, sir. No, that's it. I just, you know, my big question, and obviously my opinion, the answer is that uh, the news media wants to cover for President Biden. Of course. There was somebody, and I heard a clip yesterday, and I cannot, for the life of me, it's somebody from the media, and it seemed to me it was somebody from the State Department, and the person that asked them basically just an open-ended question about what's the deal of about Ukraine and this person, I, I think it was from the State Department, had said something of about, oh, well, historically, you know, all nations have the right to protect the border, and you can't be a nation unless you have a border. And I'm thinking, wow, did that guy just open his mouth and put his foot directly in half Yes and no leg? to that, by the way. Yes and no. Thank <laughs> you for it, Mike. But yes and no. Yes and no. Please remember, it's perfectly fine to talk about the important sovereignty and borders of every country but this one. 
and why is that? The reason for that is the same reason on the American left you will hear disdain for the notion of American greatness and American first. We are the down market commodity as a country. Everyone else better than us. Everyone else is better than us and more deserving than us according to the American left. Why do you think so much anger and vitriol aimed at the notion of American greatness or America first? No, truly. Why, 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 why would they? The people shouting the loudest against America first are the people shouting the loudest to save the Ukraine from a border invasion. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. Dana's in Chandler. Hello, Dana. Hello, Seth. How are you? Really well. How are you? We Everybody's good here. Good. Everybody's good here. Good. Um, you know, this whole white privilege thing, I find it very, very curious that historically Jews never belonged to the countries that they lived in, so they weren't... Um, you know, they weren't Turkish, they weren't Hungarian, they weren't Polish, they were just Jews. And we were certainly never considered white people. Um, and I find it very curious that now all of a sudden they want to lump us in as white people. Um, and and why is that? I mean, you know, for so long nobody wanted to claim anything to do with the Jews. You know, we were this oddball you know, fringe thing that you know, nobody wanted living in their countries. And, and But now all of a sudden they want to make us, you know, like every other white people. You know, there's this uh, odd thing, too, that if you um, ever have the opportunity to, I don't mean you particularly, Dana, I mean anyone in this audience, anyone in, in earshot, if you ever have the opportunity to go to Israel, you'll notice something interesting, but you might not notice it. The majority are not white. Indeed. The majority are not white. It is not a white country in that sense. And Jews and Judaism doesn't care about race at all. There are Jews from every background and ethnicity you can imagine. There was a poster, I haven't seen it in like 20 years. Used to, maybe it's still around. Maybe you've seen it. I don't know. Maybe we could find it on, on, uh, on, on the web. Um, but there was a poster that said something like, this is what a Jew looks like. And it looked like a picture from the United Nations. It looked like a picture from the United Nations. Um, anyone can become Jewish and it just doesn't matter. But – that's a particular thing that's kind of interesting, also true of Christianity, by the way. It's kind of an interesting thing in and of itself on the, on the, theolo on the theological side. But there's another side that this issue of white privilege scratches at me with. And if you think about it, take Ibram Kendi's point, Dana, that he writes in his book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, that has now turned into a children's book series as well as I think it's either Netflix or one of the other uh, online media companies series. 
The only remedy, quoting directly from his book, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. Stick with that for a moment. And think about this irony of the future. If Ibram Kendi had his way, let's say every school in America adopted his beliefs and every legal organization in the country adopted his beliefs, which is obviously why he's promoting them. He wants more people to adopt them. He's become rich off them. Why wouldn't he? And he probably sincerely believes them too, to be fair. If in 10 years, if he's successful and that's what happens in 10 years, why won't some other group, perhaps even a white group, be able to stand up and say, I think we need a movement against black privilege. This is, in actuality, what is transpiring before taking place in the Supreme Court of the United States right now. I'm not talking about Joe Biden's foolish choices for the Supreme Court. I'm talking about the case of Asian students that are suing Harvard and UNC, University of North Carolina over this very thing that for years upon years in order to do basically what Ibram Kendi is stating on behalf of the African-American population, they have had to do so at the expense of, yes, Jews, but particularly Asian-Americans, I suppose because they figured they had won over Jews to their side so much. But it's in a huge way disproportionately and disparately um, impacting Asian-Americans. Why can't they make the claim against black privilege if we continue to play this game? Why can't they? And if Ibram Kendi were to have his day in his way, would we be able to someday say that? It's an absurdity to think that way, isn't it? It's absurd. In fact, parts of me say it's even a wrong sentiment to be airing. But that is the logical conclusion one has to draw from this race war that is being imposed on us, isn't it, Dana? I, yeah, I think you're right. And I made a point today when I was um, discussing with someone about, you know, Joe Biden saying that the, the qualifications, you know, for the next Supreme Court justice being, you know, female and black. Yeah. And I and I said, you know, well, what if you put up a job posting and said, you know, <clears throat> I have this job opening and, and only black females can apply. And someone said, well, you know, depending on what the job is yep. and it might be OK. And I said, well, what if you put up the same job posting and it said only white men? I mean, what's the difference? Oh, my God. She lost her mind. And did she um, have an answer? No did she have an answer? No. So what that not. tells me is this person doesn't think racism is wrong. What this person thinks is racism against certain races is wrong. That's yes. what this tells me. That's the problem. And that is the problem. Either racism is wrong or it isn't. And if it is, if it is, then racism against any group is equally wrong. But if it's only wrong against certain races, then I can't take you seriously because you're talking to me about a retail you're talking to me about a retail problem when 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 the wholesale one is staring you in the face. You're trying to sell me right. something from a rotten wholesaler, but it's dressed up with your um, with, with with your loss with your loss leader discount on it. That's the problem with this. You can't tell me racism is wrong if you only think it applies against or to certain races. 
If your problem, however, I'll give you an out on this, if your problem is racism only against certain groups or races, if that is sincerely what you believe, that it's only wrong against certain races, do me a favor and tell me based on what. Tell me why. Why is it wrong? Because the only answer you can give me, the only answer that will parse, is because racism is itself and race, as they said in Latin, R-E-S, itself, racism is the wrong. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. It's been a delight. Thank you to Guns Etc. for providing the studios for us. Delighted to be able to come to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. In my monologue... I drew extensively from a speech a teacher of mine, Charles Kessler, gave on American conservatism. Let me close our talk on all things we talked about today with his close from, uh, I don't know, a speech he gave about 30 years ago. The conservatives of a century ago had one advantage over us today. They saw modern liberalism in its youth, at its most theoretically audacious and before its projects had become familiar. By rediscovering America's principles, conservatives have it in their power to encounter liberalism afresh, to see it anew and as a whole for the first time in many decades, and thus to learn how radical a departure from our regime, our old regime, our founding, that it actually not only was, but actually is. Too many conservatives, unfortunately, have renounced the central principles of the American founding, leaving conservatism sometimes adrift, sometimes confused. And too many conservatives are disdainful or scornful of politics. So what is left on which to build a political movement and a political party, you may ask? Well, if we are going to do so, one that is solid and one that is strong and one that is ultimately victorious, we're going to have to regain not only the Republican spirit and rescue constitutional government, we're going to have to rediscover what about America we are, after all, trying to conserve. Until tomorrow, again, thank you all, but God bless you all, and class dismissed.